So it's uh, 7 p.m. Our guest is supposed to be joining us at 7 p.m. My only concern is his email address was an AOL account. Really? (laughs) They still exist? That's where I'm going with this. So I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if this guy goes, I don't know what the hell Google Chrome is. Oh, come on. Everybody has to know what that is. I don't know. I think even my dad knows what Google Chrome is. Yeah, you think? I I, I deleted uh, Explorer and Firefox from his computer while I was there. Good for you. Oh, my, my favorite um, thing I found on the internet was the, uh, the woman who went home for the holidays and turned the parental controls on her parents' TV and blocked Fox News. I saw that. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Live from Studio 3D. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes. Spotify and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth featuring musical guest Sting. Happy New Year. We'll tell you what both Star Trek and Star Wars fans have to look forward to in 2019. We'll look back at what science fiction author Isaac Asimov predicted for this year. Plus, Nike's self-lacing sneakers get an upgrade. The jetpack is still coming, and we'll look ahead to next week's live on Facebook Live from CES 2019. You're so excited, aren't you? Oh, I'm just thrilled. <laughs> Make sure to bring some bail money. <laughs> yes, I will. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Do you know what's coming in 2019? Uh, okay, well, are we going to talk about our Las Vegas trip, or are we going to talk about something else? Well, we could talk about Las Vegas as well. Well, you go but, ahead uh, with, with your tease. What, what were you talking about? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about, since this is the big New Year's episode, that we need to talk about all the things that are coming this year. Okay. Including Nike's version 2.0 of its, I, I suppose technically, 3.0 of its self lacing running shoe. How long have these things been supposedly around? Well, since Marty McFly found them in 1985. Right. Or wait a minute, when he went back to the future, what you know what what year did he go to? Oh, uh no, it was, it was tw- uh, 2015, wasn't it? So yeah, so technically I suppose these self-lacing shoes have been around since 2015. Okay, no, that no 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 no. I'm talking about like actual product, not like these cheap hoverboards that don't exist. Okay, they actually did release in 2017 a pair of self-lacing shoes based upon Back to the Future. They call them the Hyper Adapt, and they were self-lacing shoes that used the same technology found in the Nike Air Mags and equipped with EARL technology, E-A-R-L. Don't ask me what the acronym means. E-A-R-L, okay, fine. But they were $750 if you could find them. Oh, come on. And now version 3.0, I guess 1.0 was the movie version. 2.0 is when they actually made life imitate art. And now version 3.0 is the higher quality, lower price, $350 model. The only thing missing? Mr. Fusion. Look. If you can't be bothered to tie your shoes, I'm sorry, we're on the road to decline. I mean... Okay, yeah, yeah. They said the same thing about putting Velcro instead of laces on running shoes Yeah, but those are good for old people. I completely understand that. There is nothing... Allegedly, the hyper-adapt self-lacing shoe does more than just self-lace. It adjusts to the size of your foot. So if you put these shoes on... 
they would lace up to you. And then if you took them off and handed them to me, they would adjust to fit my substantially smaller foot. Why would I do that? Why? Well, okay, okay, that's a good point. You you, you don't want to be sharing shoes. Um, but the bowling alley is bad enough, but no. How did I end up on the other side of this argument? I, listen. You're absolutely right. Um, the legendary sneaker designer Tinker Hatfield designed the shoe that adjusts to the wearer's foot size in real time. And my only thought was, what do you mean in real time? How bigger or smaller are your feet going to get at any given moment? But I suppose if, unlike you and me, you are an active lifestyle individual, your feet are going to require some adjustment in the shoe department. But by how much? $350 is my guess. I suppose fractions of an inch. And how much of a difference is that going to make? Listen, New Balance 10 and a half double E. That's it. Nobody needs anything else. Maybe here's the difference it's going to make is the difference is whether or not you're going to get blisters because you use shoes for a long time at any given single sitting eventually you're going to get a blister of some sort but if the footwear automatically recognized that you were wearing them for any length of time maybe they would adjust over time so that you weren't constantly stopping retying your laces or adjusting it to keep them comfortable again if you don't have time or the interest, or the inclination to tie your own shoes. This regresses you back to the age of two. Quote, It's a revolution disguised as a robot, disguised as a self-lacing shoe. No, it doesn't. This is an opportunity for somebody to extract $350 from some sucker. <laughs> and you're not going to be that one. I'm not going to be that one. Listen, I like my, my sneaks. Uh, I, I have uh, a variety that I use, like Jerry Seinfeld, day to day. Um, but there is no <sighs> way that I'm ever going to need. I, I had a fabulous daddy-daughter moment on this front um, not too long ago. I could see the light bulb go off in my 12-year-old's head. When you're an adult, get a pair of shoes. Yes. Put the sneakers in the closet. Sneakers are for when you're running. If you're, not, if you're a full-grown adult male, I said to my daughter, and you're wearing sneakers when you're wearing running shoes and you're not running, you need to reevaluate your life. No, they go well with, with jeans. They go well with nothing, they dude. They do, absolutely. They do not. That is what the 17-year-old in you told you 40 years ago. And it's working just fine at my age. No. And there, there's the other thing is, is your, your wardrobe froze at the last point in your life when you were hip. Uh, well, and for some of us, it's 17. Well, I was never hip, so I can use that excuse. I can tell you that a pair of white New Balance 10 and a half double E 856s are my go-to shoe. What, what, what the hell is double E anyway? Is that... Width. Oh, that's width. Okay, so you're bragging. That, that's like someone pointing no, out... No, it means I've got flippers for feet. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought double E was sort of like the equivalent of, of bra size or well, something. Well, it is, but not in a flattering way. I have very, very wide feet. Yeah, but you know what they say about a guy with wide feet. They don't say that. I don't know what they say. That's what I was asking. That's, they don't say that. Whatever it is that they're saying, it's not being said. Voices, but there is something. Bandersnatch was the final straw. 
you see the bigger picture. Stefan, you're worrying me. Relax, you stepping out of this. Hey, Stefan. Your fate has been dictated. You're not in control. So have you watched the uh, Bandersnatch yet on Netflix? I, I have. Uh, and it was a lot of hard work because you have to make so many decisions. <laughs> All the way through the way it it's it's like one of those. How do you describe it? You're the video. Well, game it's guy. it's a choose your own adventure book. It, it's based on a a book. I don't even know if it's based on a real book. Is that an actual book? I have seen these hyperlink books in the past. I don't know which book. Uh, I don't know if Bandersnatch is the real thing. Well, let, let me look that up so that we can have a definitive answer on that. Bandersnatch is it a real book? Neither the book nor the author are real. Okay. But I have seen those Make Your Own Adventure hyperlink books. Yeah. And they go back to the 1980s or 1990s. The 1970s, dude. Really? That far? Oh, I, I remember being in elementary school. And, and this was the neat thing about um, the not only the book, or the, the fake book in this Netflix series, but also in watching the Netflix series. Is well, wait, 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 wait. It's not a series. It's a standalone movie. True, true. Sorry, thank you. Black Mirror is the series. The, the Bandersnatch is just like an episode. Right. And so in the, the book, the two and a half inch thick book that the, the character is holding, as well as you and me sitting on our couches watching this, was that you end up flipping back and forth. You get to the end and you go, okay, well, what if I changed a decision? And then you go flip, 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 flip back. And, you, you, and they do this as well in the Netflix show. So my thought was... Oh my God! This is this is this is exactly the same thing. What they used was a new type of script writing software that allows for these choose-your-own-path things. I have no idea how many potential paths there are in the movie, but uh, I got to the point. No, I don't want to say where where I got to, but I, I went I went back, and then I got caught in an additional series of loops that didn't resolve anything. And I, after a while, I exit to credits. I just can't make any more decisions. It was just a lot of work. I mean, it was cool. And it's yeah. an interesting use of, of, of Netflix technology. But, uh, man, you really got to work at this. There are officially five main endings, but the runtime can go from anywhere from 90 minutes no, 55. to two and a half hours. Well, I'm, I'm, this is according to Netflix. Well, I, I know a guy who got through it in 55 minutes. Okay, but that's a, you, you could get by very quickly because you could make decisions for the central character that kills the central character. Yes. So, yeah, sure, you could watch it, I suppose, in 55 minutes if you click the yes, jump off the ledge option. No, oh, you're ruining it for people. I'm not ruining it for anybody, trust me. Because when it, it comes up, you have no choice. One person has to, to, to jump in this particular scene. Right. Uh, so the thing for me that I found hilarious was that you have to watch it with a Netflix-approved app or an app that has been updated to allow this to work. And two things. One, Apple and Netflix have been in a pissing match forever. Therefore, even the most current generation, Apple TV, does not support this feature. I had to pull out the Amazon Fire Stick 4K that they sent me that I had yet to plug in just to be able to, to use this. 
Really? I just, uh, okay, my cable box offers me a direct connection to Netflix. So I just used to, went through there. Exactly. Even your lowly cable box Netflix app will work with Bandersnatch, but Apple TV won't because they're competing streaming services. Apple's got its being a bonnet over something. And as a result, the current app on the Apple TV won't work. The other thing, though, is that I saw this. I, I don't even know if it's true, but I saw this on the Internet, so it must be. Some guy pirated the Netflix show, or, or the, the movie, as you more accurately point out, and didn't realize it was an interactive one. And he's like, oh, my God, this movie's going on for five hours straight. <laughs> yeah. You could watch the movie. From beginning to end, through the whole variations of every ending and every option. Again, I only got to really one ending, and after that, I was like, okay, enough. Really? Did yeah. you get as far as um, the woman who works for Netflix? Yes. Yes, I got to that. Yes. Is, is working on the, yes. the actual project yes. herself? Yes. I Did you notice that she's the daughter of the video game guru in the movie? Oh, no, I didn't. Yes. She even references that uh, video game programming is in her blood. Okay. And so she, the idea is that she's the one who's come up with this idea for Netflix, and now she's producing it. Uh, I, and that made me wonder how deep this rabbit hole goes. Well, it probably goes on forever. If you're, you're the kind of person that's obsessive about this, this thing, you could watch this movie again and again and again over weeks and not see exactly the same thing. So again, if you're interested in this, you're going to have to find some way other than Apple TV to watch it because Apple and Netflix are in a pissing match. Hmm. Or just go through your cable box. Bright light city, gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty So let's let's talk a little bit about Las Vegas. So you are coming after all, after a little bit of confusion. Uh, we, we've managed to drain the bank account of the world's most popular podcast to pay for my flight and hotel. Which means, of course, now when you go to geeksandbeats.com, we're begging for you to support us yes. in other ways. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> because my hotel, I, I still have paid for my hotel. I've broken it down into three categories. Buy us dinner. Okay. Buy us a drink. Okay. Or pay our cab fare. I am going to use Uber quite a bit. Yes. Because uh, apparently in Las Vegas, Las Vegas is the, has the highest penetration of uber drivers and the highest usage of uber drivers anywhere in north america and i'll tell you it is the city where uber sucks the most oh really and i'll tell you why okay because the deal that they worked out with the all mobbed up uh taxi industry and you can't tell me it's not mobbed up oh, vegas mobbed up come on no not anymore they um made a deal where unlike the regular taxi stands the Uber vehicles have to go to a specific ride-sharing pickup location. Yes. Which is nowhere near anything else. So while Uber it can pick you up and drop you off, they can only do so in certain locations within Sin City. 
Okay. So be prepared for a little more walking. All I want to do is go from the hotel to the convention center. That's it. And then uh, I want to go to the mob museum. Oh, the mob museum. I was there when, in September, and I thought it was really, really cool. And my wife is a big uh, mafia aficionado. So um, we're going to go to the mob museum. Yeah, wifey and I, when we went last year uh, during our CES coverage, we went to the Neon Museum. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know what? That was another one. Uh, write that down. Neon Museum. Okay. Yeah. Now, the Neon Museum is located in the old end of town, the original Las Vegas Strip, yeah, where it was Fremont all mobbed up. Yeah. Fremont Street, exactly. And what had happened was, for years after they cleaned up the strip and moved it south, they had just put all of these signs in the desert. And eventually somebody decided that was a really bad idea, and they started to restore them and put them on display just off Fremont Street. But Fremont Street itself has been turned into a pedestrian walkway, uh, for lack of a better term, and covered over with a, a LED sign kind of technology. And they've taken a lot of those signs that they had left rotting in the desert and put them on the exteriors of the buildings on Fremont Street, regardless as to what it was. Yeah, that's true. And there's, there's a big zip line there now that goes... Uh, oh, is there a zip line through Fremont Street now? Yeah, yeah it goes right over everybody's head. Oh, awesome. So you, you, you can catch the vomiting from bird's eye view. Exactly. So you're walking down this pedestrian mall yeah. where they have all these buskers and weird people hanging out. Yeah. And over your head are people going the length of Fremont Street on the zip line. And you just know that a few of them have uh, are all ready to hurl. So we've got a lot planned for our big live on location show. You can join us via Facebook live by going to our Facebook account, Geeks and Beats, uh, as it, on the website, but also just go to Facebook and type in Geeks and Beats podcast. And we'll also create an event that you can subscribe to so that you can get notified that at uh, 1230 Eastern time, 930 Pacific, we will be live on Facebook live showing you off all of the fun stuff we've discovered over the previous two days uh, during the media events where they open the doors just to the media so that we can talk to the people who've created these fantastical gadgets. Okay, wait a second. You're not coming in until Sunday? Yeah, Sunday night. Well, you, you and wife, you're, you're, you two are going to have your own thing. Yeah, well, we're going to go Saturday. We're going to see Penn and Teller Saturday night. Right. And so Sunday evening is when the first media event is. Monday evening is the second media event. Right. Okay. I'm looking at it now. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's all in our, our calendar and we're going to put it all on geeksandbeats.com. You can just click on the link. And with that, um, not only can you support the show by either buying us a drink, buying us dinner or uh, paying our uh, Uber fare for that particular day. Uh, you can also see everything that we've been posting while we're there. Our Instagram feed is uh, connected to it. All of the videos that we'll post are on there as well. So if you are a fan of uh, the latest in future technology stuff that you're not going to go down to your best buy and pick up today but you'll probably see under the christmas tree a year from now or three years from now as the case has been with some of the stuff that we've been looking at um, you're going to want to go and check it out now again i'm going to expect you to take me around because i don't know what i'm going to i have no idea what i should be seeing and what i shouldn't be seeing and more importantly i don't know what i should be avoiding right that's the problem. Yeah. We've discussed this before. There are three primary venues within the Consumer Electronics Show at the Las Vegas Convention Center. There's the North Building, the South Building, and the Central Building. Now, the South Building, where all the VR stuff is, is also where all the iPad cases and the drones are and the vaporizer pens and all that crap. Uh, but the building we're in, the North Building, that's the automotive section. That's where the autonomous vehicle technology is. That's where all the big shots are. And that's where we'll be broadcasting live. In the South Building... Uh, where 
it's a quite a traversing task to get from point A to point B. That's where your Samsungs and your LGs and your Intels all are, the, the companies that are showing off the big screen TVs and the smart mirrors and things like that. So um, I'm going to walk you through the night before. Before the doors open, I'm going to show you around just like pre-chaos because they are literally assembling that building up until the doors open at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. local time Eastern. So you'll be my, my service animal. Las Vegas. By 2019, we will be back on the moon in force. 20, what? Who, but, who? That is according to Isaac Asimov. Oh, okay. So let's explain this. Um, the Toronto Star. Back in 1983. December of that year, which would have been um, the just before we get into the fateful year of 1984, they asked him to say where we would be um, 39, no, what would be? 35 years. 35 hands. years later. Right. Because 1984 was 35 years from 1948. Right. Right. Okay. So, yes. Go ahead. I know what we're talking about now. The expectation was that we would not only be back on the moon in full force, but it would be an international force, not just Americans and not just to collect moon rocks, but to establish a mining station to process moon soil and take it to places in space where it could be smelted in metals, ceramics, glass and concrete, uh, largely for the construction of orbital things such as space stations. Well, the Americans aren't going to be there, but the Chinese and the Indians might be. In 2019? Well, I yeah. don't know if they're going to be set up. Well, I don't know if they're going to have their factories set up. But they're landing on the dark side of the moon. That's the Chinese. And yes, which technically isn't the dark. No. So there's no such thing as the dark side of the moon. It's just the side that we can't see. Right. It does get light. It does. It gets as much light as the other side. Right. It's just we don't get to see it because it's in geosynchronous orbit. Is that the word we're looking for? No, no, no. That's not it. it we're, it's tidally locked. The moon is tidally locked to planet Earth. So that means we only see one side. However, as the moon revolves or, or um, revolves around the Earth, uh, the dark side does get exposed to as much sunlight as the side that we see. The big fear that the Americans have is that the Chinese will land where the Apollo 11 landed and then piss all over that spot. The irony is, is that the American flag is not even standing on the moon anymore and hasn't been standing since the Apollo 11 took off from the moon. Yeah, because the blast of the lunar module knocked it over. It, it had been lying on its side since the time they left. Yeah, well, they, they planted it too close to the uh, to the ascent stage. Isaac Asimov predicted that by 2019, advances in technology will place tools in our hands that will help accelerate the process of removing waste and pollution from our atmosphere and reversing the process of the deterioration of the environment. Okay, we have made strides with the hole in the ozone layer of the Antarctic. That has shrunk. So that's a good thing. That was something of the 1980s that we were all told about. And that's yeah. when aerosol cans were banned. And we actually saw over the following 20 years uh, an improvement in the ozone layer. And I think that gave us optimism that we could tackle climate change. Yeah. Some scientists think the ozone layer is weakened by chemicals called chlorofluorocarbons, known more simply as CFCs. 
CFCs are used in automobile air conditioners, home insulation, and in plastic cups. Eight years ago, because they were believed to be damaging the ozone layer, CFCs were banned from aerosol cans in the United States. Now, with an eye on what's happening over Antarctica, some scientists want a worldwide ban on all uses of CFCs. I'm Christopher Glenn with Earth's ozone layer in the news. But now we have all kinds of other issues that uh, require a lot more desperate measures than banning aerosol deodorant. Mm-hmm. What was the other thing that they banned? Oh, yeah, supersonic aircraft. That was the other thing. The Concorde and, and, and any other aircraft that may have come along those lines was also destroying the ozone layer. They banned supersonic aircraft? Well, they that that was one of the things that they said that, look, at because of the exhaust that comes from these supersonic planes, Concorde actually only, if we had you know hundreds or thousands of them in the air at the same time over the next 20 years, that was going to destroy the ozone layer. Oh, well, that, that, that's a far cry from a ban. The reason why the Concorde stopped flying was because it just simply stopped being profitable. Yes. So it wasn't a function of the concern about the environment. And there's no way we would have seen, you know, SST vehicles like the Concorde in practical use if we couldn't back in the 70s figure out how to make them profitable. There's no way that we would have had to worry about that problem in the first place. They were too loud. They burned too much fuel and they were too expensive to mm-hmm. maintain. And there were only seven ever in in, uh, in service. Yeah. Did you ever fly on a Concorde? No, I didn't. Um, I was. There is one on uh, an aircraft carrier that's docked outside of New York City, and it's become this this museum. Yes. And I can't. I was at the museum, the Intrepid, Intrepid Museum. Yeah, the Intrepid. Yeah, they, there they have um, the Gemini capsule. Yes, I know. I, I we walked through the whole thing. It was great. It was the size of a suburban mailbox. It's tiny. I was blown away at how small this thing was. And was it Gemini 6 or Gemini 8? You say Gemini? You are. You're not supposed to say. Yes. That, that, in fact, this just came up on the internet a couple of weeks ago. Is it, it should be Gemini. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the American space program dubbed them Gemini. I don't know why, but it's always been Gemini. Mm. Um, but I guess it was... Uh, Gemini 6, maybe Gemini 8, where, where Neil Armstrong and, and his, uh, whoever he was with, uh, they were up there for 14 days in that thing. 14 days! Like, this this is your David Bowie floating in a tin can thing. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's not like you could, uh, you know, step out and say, I gotta take a whiz. Or <laughs> well, you could. Wow. But it'd be the only one you'd ever take. Yeah. Uh, Geeks and Beats listener, uh, Roberto Padron Gill, has pointed out that 2019 is gonna be the year... Of the world's first jetpack race league. Really? U.S. company Jetpack Aviation is ready to move into the exciting world of jetpack racing, according to DigitalTrends.com. Quote, we tested how close two jetpacks could fly together without causing turbulence or interference with each other's engine inlet air. And our tests were carried out above a lake in Southern California with a pair of twin-engine JB-10s. JB-10. Does sound powerful. Yeah. I gotta look that up. Seventy-four kilometers an hour at heights up to 3,000 feet or 900 meters for a maximum duration between 30 and 45 minutes. And what speed are we talking about? 74 kilometers per hour, okay. 3,000 feet, 900 meters, All right. for 
at least a half an hour at a time. All right, so you can get some serious distance. He said they did some runs up and down the lake where the pilots were slowly getting closer and closer together on each run and found they could fly within inches of each other when on the same level. They could also hover beside each other with the pilots taking hand grips. And so they tested flight profiles where one jetpack was above and one below and found that as long as there was some horizontal airspeed, it works fine and doesn't disrupt the inlet. Like, I guess the big issue is that you don't want to have one jetpack's engine interrupt the operation of the other did you know that and as a flight flyer you probably do that when a 747 takes off the next jet behind it has to wait a certain length of time and the smaller the aircraft the longer it has to wait because of the wake that the engines create in the atmosphere i have been to the st martin airport princess juliana airport in on the island of st martin roger huh and it is a single runway that runs uh west to east and it is in a very, very, very tight quarters. And at one end of the runway, and this would be the west end, I guess. Roger. Uh, the end of the runway is right on the beach. And there is a chain link fence that idiots will grab onto. <laughs> yes, I've seen this. You've seen this. And then they wait for the, the, the jets to spool up. And they're actually blown perpendicular to the ground by the jet wash parallel to the ground parallel to the ground uh, by the jet wash and uh, many of them are blown off the fence and into either a stone wall on the other side of the road or right into the beach uh, where they get completely sandblasted we have clearance clarence roger roger what's our vector victor idiots they figure that what they'll do with these jetpack races at the jet uh, the jetpack race league is uh, do red bull air race styles where the pilots navigate around pylons and there are barriers for vertical maneuvers like uh, flying over a wide horizontal inflatable beam barrel racing with a horse yeah uh, and then they they're even looking at the option of controlling a ball because they've figured out that it's possible with a jetpack of course to hover grab a ball, place it in a chest pouch, and then fly or take the ball between the pilot's legs. Basically, this is Harry Potter's Quidditch. Yeah, without the broom. Without the broom. fiction in 2019 i can imagine there's one particular thing you're looking forward to uh okay what star trek picard oh that yes okay so that is coming this year uh oh which reminds me i have to uh set the pvr for orville tonight oh uh, you know what i gave orville a shot yeah it was bad the first five six episodes but then it got better after that the thing about orville that i had a problem with was the whole premise of think Star Trek, but smart ass 
it wasn't enough. No, they didn't really know what they wanted to be for the first half dozen episodes. Is it a is it a parody? Is it the real thing? Is it something on its own? I, they didn't know. But eventually they settled down and it was a lot more fun. So we've it's been years since we've gotten a, a new Star Trek TV series. So we'll actually get two in addition to the second season of Star Trek Discovery. 2019 will bring us the, the Picard. I'm not going to call it a reboot. I don't even really know what you want to call it because we don't really know that much about it. No. What, what would you call it? Um, it is Captain Picard uh, in the years after Next Generation. So they'll launch it on CBS All Access uh, in late 2019, and it follows Picard's life in the years after Next Generation? Yes. When Picard retired, he retired to France uh, in the family vineyard, right? Right. So I can't possibly imagine this is going to be Star Trek Picard Vineyard Edition. Are they? No. Are they going to promote him to Admiral like they did with Kirk? Are they? Is he going to become some sort of troubleshooter, consultant? I, I have no idea. <laughs> you can see him as a consultant. Half the episodes have been filing invoices and expense receipts. Yeah, through QuickBooks. <laughs> Damn it. I'm looking forward to Star Wars The Mandalorian. Yeah, you fine, whatever. What? What do you mean, whatever? Uh, go ahead, talk about it. I'm, uh, I'm just not going to listen. For, first of all, it's um, a, a live action TV series. There'll be 10 episodes in season one. They're putting a hundred million bucks into it. And it's set seven years after Return of the Jedi. Which means nothing to me since I haven't spent any time watching any Star Trek, uh, Star, Star Wars. Timeline, I don't think as, is as relevant. Maybe it'll become relevant. Who knows? But I think what's more interesting about this is that there's almost a, a Wild West feel to it. As a matter of fact, John Favreau, who's the executive producer of it. He's good. Suggested there'll be a Western vibe to it following the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Hmm. So th th this is basically... The nitty gritty, the dirty behind the scenes Star Wars that we all really wanted in the first place, not the Disney-fied, cleaned up Star Trek-like. We? Yeah, but that's because you're a Star Trek fan and, and you, the idea that even the people in your universe use washrooms is beyond the pale. Mm. Maybe they don't have kidney stones, but anyway, I regress. <laughs> I digress. You regress and digress. Yeah. Exactly. The director and the casts um, have um, been... Uh, largely locked in already, including MMA fighter Gina Carano. Okay. From Predator and Rocky, Carl Weathers. He's still around, is he? Not in the Predator universe, anyway. And uh, were you, you were a fan of Breaking Bad. Yes. The character Gus Fring. Yes. Giancarlo Esposito will be in it. Okay. And and back to the 80s, Nick Nolte. God. Ain't no goddamn way to start a partnership. Now get this. We ain't partners. We ain't brothers and we ain't friends. I'm putting you down and keeping you down until Gans is locked up or dead. And if Gans gets away, you're going to be sorry you ever met me. I'm already sorry. I wonder what he looks like today. Uh, yeah, they're probably not going to need to do a lot of makeup for him uh, over at Industrial Light and Magic. No, well, unless they want to make him look human. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
get you in to see the Apple Store of Weed Dispensaries in Las Vegas. Yes, and I want to see that too. Absolutely. To the owner, um, who's uh, the man behind the whole shop, and hopefully we can bring the camera down and everything, and we can do a, a three, uh, a two-on-one interview sort of thing, and show you what that world looks like because that is the world that's coming to Canada. Well, it's really funny because on Sunday, or no, I'm sorry, it was uh, Thursday. I was with my dad, and this small town where I grew up, north of Winnipeg, has its own weed shop. Well, it's not a weed shop; it's a head shop. Uh, but my dad was very curious about it, so my 84-year-old father made me take him to a head shop. How'd that go? Uh, he was confused. So how did you help? I just walked in with him. It's kind of like taking a friend to a porn store for the first time. Because... <laughs> Wait a minute. People take friends to porn stores? Yeah, you know, you want to be introduced to the people behind the counter, and that's, you know. That okay, thing. you're being weird. I Okay, probably. Yeah. But uh, no, it was weird. It's like, Dad, you, do you want to, really? <laughs> so he wanted to know what you what are these glass things on the shelf that's called bongs dad oh what's a what do you use the bong so why for? did he want you to take him because there i don't know he just wanted to again he needed him going in on his own would have been you know. so do you think that he's going to go back by himself and maybe pick up some glassware and uh, some uh, obama kush no there is uh, they don't sell product Oh, well then, so yeah, so that wasn't a dispensary at it all. It wasn't a dispensary at all, which is what I thought it was, but uh, right. they, they've got a license in and they haven't, they haven't uh, got it yet. So no, which was a disappointment because my mom was complaining about her, her arthritic knee and she wanted to try some CBD. Oh, nothing, nothing yeah. available downtown. Can't help you with that. Yeah. We want to look back at the year that was uh, for everyone who helped out the big show. And I've pulled up our Patreon account and I've uh, sorted it on since Patreon it patronage patronage date our very first patron ever john buffoni january 16th 2015 world's worst intern program intern number one see that's like being google or facebook employee number one or two he said a 48 dollar lifetime limit oh so he must be close to the end well, he's well past the end now because we, we've we've done a hundred episodes or so. Why, why forty eight? That's a weird number. It is, isn't it? Well, I know. No, it was forty eight weeks until the end of twenty fifteen. That's what it was. All right. A Bevan Lance, a Robin Calda, Kevin Priestley, Frank Faveri, a Rick C in Oakville, Matthew, Chris Ghost, a Tim Rickert, Peter Robel, a Dan Dion, Darren, William Torres, Matt McInnes, Wesley Sadgrove, and Gabriel Cope, uh, Cropley, Sheila Modi, Brian, Bain Matheson, not Brian Matheson, Bain Matheson. That's an awesome name. That sounds like a, like a, a supervillain name. It does. I, I, I've only known two other Banes, and one of them is in a Batman movie. Steve Bayeria, uh, Craig Snyder, James Price, Thomas Foster, Bill French, and uh, Randy Redekop are top 25 first members of the world's worst intern program. And of course, you know what makes them members of the world's worst intern program. Yes, they pay us for them to work for us. And actually, we don't get them to do too much, but 
Yeah, the only thing they do is open their wallet. They basically, yes. So it's like a real internship in Hollywood. You don't actually do any work to, to make the show happen. Right, exactly. Chef Mike Benninger, number 31 on the list as a, an intern and an active patron to this day. And has uh, suggested that maybe he would like to be the co-producer of next week's big show and, and buy us dinner. Yes. Oh, matter of fact, hang on, hang on. An email just came in. Yeah. Hang on, and uh, for, from the from the good chef. Yes, I have to find it now. But he, I, I asked him uh, if he had any recommendations for a steakhouse. He said we did Emeralds, very nice, but Delmonico's as well. Alan, you might get a stiffy over the Scotch list. Once you got kidney stones, can you still get those? Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Not for a couple of days. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, Delmonico's a very famous restaurant that goes back to the 1800s in New York. All right, um, well, hook us up. Yeah, you know what? We should think about that. Let's do that then. Okay. Uh, that's how we're going to spend the money. If you go to geeksandbeats.com, right at the top, right at the beginning, there is a link to get you to our CES page. Uh, if you would like to support the show, what we can do is if you buy us a drink, we will take a photo of us with the drink you paid for and plaster it all over the internet with a big thank you. If you buy us dinner, we will take pictures of us eating that dinner, Alan with his mouth closed. Yes. And we will plaster that all over your Instagram, and you can put that on your story. Are, are you into the Instagram stories? <sighs> Not I haven't really. got into the stories Not yet. Really, occasionally I'll do them if I find that there's something worth telling. What's the point? It's, it's there I, and then I, it's gone 24 hours later. I, 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 I don't know. know. I know. I mean, I, I'm just an old man yelling at a cloud at this point. <laughs> Nothing from the old man who usually yells at clouds. No, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.